I said last Sunday that deep forgiveness, the kind that involves significant hurt, is a more nuanced theology than I was attempting to address last week. I was thinking of the kinds of acts that need to be dealt with case by case. You need to go to someone who will listen to you. Listen to your pain, hear the hurt that you've experienced about the wrong that has been done to you. Before you talk about attempting forgiveness, your listener needs to have assured you that you have been heard, that what you've experienced was wrong, that in many cases you need to guard against being similarly hurt, that forgiving does not mean forgetting, and that forgiveness does not have to include reconciliation. Those are the kind of nuances and empathy necessary in cases of significant hurt. Cases that I think are best shared one-on-one. And yet here we are, the very next Sunday. And the lectionary calls for these words from Jesus. And Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy times seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him, and he could not pay. So the Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and his children, and all their possessions, payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. And he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not? not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That that is the reading for today, for all of us, makes me think that there are too many people who need to hear this to leave the discussion simply to one-on-one conversations. It's as if the people who put together the list of the readings we would hear in worship recognize that at some point, Somewhere along the way, everyone is going to face 
the difficulty of forgiving something they aren't sure they could ever forgive. It's like they knew. We don't wait until something has been done to us so very terrible that we can't imagine forgiving it to start practicing the Christian principle of forgiveness. They knew that it needs to start early and it needs to happen often before we are put into the place of having to forgive the worst that someone will ever do to us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that living with Christians should give us good practice at forgiving. We are good to give each other so many opportunities to need to forgive. Paul Tillich said that forgiveness is the willful forgetting of even the past, even though it is something you can never forget. Long ago, St. John Chrysostom taught, God forgives our sins and does not force us to make a parade of them in the presence of others. God seeks one thing only, that the person who benefits by the forgiveness will learn the greatness of the gift. In Jesus' parable, the king gives an unfathomable gift. We cannot grasp the amount of debt that was forgiven. It's incalculable, intentionally so. Nate gave the best translation I've heard of it this week. He said it's a cabillion. We like Peter's number seven better. It gives us something to strive for, something to track our progress in, although seven would have been laughable too. In a society where an eye for an eye, not a life for an eye, was considered generous, forgiving more than once would be extraordinary. Peter, having caught on to Jesus' strange ways, the extreme measures of turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, giving someone your coat when they asked for your cloak, thinks big when he offers how often we might forgive. Once, twice, that would be super generous. Seven times would be beyond generous. He's going to show Jesus that he is caught on. How many times should we forgive Jesus? Seven times? No. No, no, Peter. Seventy times seven times. Now, before you get your calculator out, I'll save you the trouble. That's 490 times. But don't start putting your forgiveness into a spreadsheet. Jesus is not suggesting that on the 491st offense you are now able to get retribution. That wouldn't make any sense. Or if you prefer the smaller number in the translation, not seven times, Peter, but 77 times, tracking that and getting to 78 times still doesn't make sense. If you've been mistreated by an offender 78 times, there's something tragically wrong with the system. Jesus does not want any of us mistreated one time. 
much less seven times or 77 times or 490 times. That's not the point. When we make this an accounting game, we've lost the kingdom teaching. What Jesus wants is for us to not hurt each other. But when we do, that we would do the hard work of repenting, asking forgiveness, changing our ways. And here's the harder part. What Jesus wants for us, even when another does not repent, is that we forgive. He wants the hurt person to forgive for the sake of everyone involved including the hurt person. It's often the case that the offender does not deserve forgiveness. But it's always the case that the one who has been hurt doesn't deserve the ongoing burden of not forgiving. In Jesus' outlandish parable, the king's servant owes him a cabillion dollars and begs for patience promising to repay the king. He sounds contrite, but the truth is he could never repay that debt. Even if he was able to extort every other slave for all that they had, he could not repay what he owed the king. It's an impossible promise. He cannot get out of the debt he owes. It's a lifelong sentence of crushing debt to a king who looks to be in the mood for a reckoning. Until suddenly, shockingly, the king reverses course. He writes off the whole thing. All the servant asked for was patience so that he could come around and pay the debt later. And the king does so very much more. He doesn't give him more time. He gives him his freedom. The king lets it go. You're forgiven. Debt dismissed. The king recognized that it was better for him, the king, it was better for the servant, it was better for the whole kingdom to forgive and move on. And what did the servant, forgiven of that unbelievable debt, released from the lifetime sentence of being condemned to it, do? He called the debt on another servant. He grabbed another servant by the throat and said, No matter what you have asked for, no matter that you use the same language that I used in asking out of my debt, you are not released to prison. You will go. He took away the opportunity for that servant to ever make amends. He took away the opportunity for that servant to know the mercy he had known. He was unmoved from the very mercy that he was shown having been forgiven everything, the first servant went right back to being ruthless. He was not changed by his life having been changed. And when the one who changed his life through forgiving everything heard that, well, then that one changed his mind. I had mercy on you. You had none on your fellow servant. I tell you what. I'll treat you as you treated your neighbor. 
Into prison you will go until you can repay a debt that you'll never be able to repay. And when Jesus finished his story, Peter said, oh, so we're to forgive 490 times? No. I'm sure that for once Peter stood silently. The other disciples too. Anyone who heard what Jesus just taught was stunned. But you have no idea how I've been hurt, they wanted to say. But what a story. What can you say after that? That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's another one of those stories that they had to tuck away that those disciples could not process right in the moment. It was too mind-blowing until they stood by on a day when the sky turned dark and their Lord hung on a cross. The day when they witnessed the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world, incalculable debt that never could have been repaid. It was only then that Jesus' strange story began to make sense. It wasn't about my hurt being worse than his hurt or or that that offender is offending more than I. It's not even about everyone repaying their own debt. Jesus' story is about a kingdom that cannot function when everyone is tabulating who owes the other what. This one thrown into prison for what he owes and that one thrown into prison for what she owes Before long, everyone winds up in prison, and then who is left to work for the king? Even those with debts owed to them would be imprisoned by their own bitterness, their own desire to be paid back for wrongs that were so costly they could never be repaid. They'd not only be hostage to the wrong done to them, but to the toxic state of wanting vengeance. The king doesn't want his servants in shackles. They couldn't get anything done. He wants his servants released, freed, full of life. That's how work gets accomplished. That's how his kingdom grows. That's how joy gets restored to those, even those who never thought they would know joy again. Those in debt and those to whom they are indebted are incapable of living in the ways the king needs them to live if all they are doing is hiding from or chasing down debts. The debtor, a slave to his guilt, the one to whom the debt is owed, a slave to her bitterness. The king's unbelievably merciful gift of forgiveness wasn't meant just to free one slave. It was meant to free all of us. Thanks be to God. Amen.